Keys went it, man! He's gone to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. Rubs his nose. Yeah. What about to McCullum, Shane? He might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. He might try and slide one in there. Fast. Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Tim Williams. Joining me tonight is last year's Supercoach BBL champion, Tomo Aitken. Tomo, how are you, mate? Yeah, very well. Um, excited to chat some Supercoach. Living in Queensland, I've had a few very hot days, so it's good to um, come home and chat a bit of Supercoach. Fixes most things. Hello, mate. I've heard it scorching up there. There's a bit going on in the in, in the local league. I know Chris Lynn. What did he score? About 150 off about 12 balls on the weekend uh, for in in the local grade cricket, mate. Lenny was a bloke that you you weren't too interested in last week. You, have you changed your mind on him a bit? Uh, I don't know if I've changed. I mean, we all know he's capable of some magnificent performances, just like that. Um, I suppose. I don't think I'll still start him, so it's good he's getting all those performances when it's not um, in the big bash. That's it, mate. Yeah, he's certainly got plenty of attention, and I think I mean, it's good to see that Linny's in form coming into the big bash, but also important to, to note that it is playing Brisbane grade cricket, so there are a few pies being chucked at him, but anyone that can hit 150 off 50 or, or whatever his score was, um, yeah, you've got to take notice. So on tonight's show, we're going to be talking about Tomo's team reveal that he released during the week. Uh, we'll be going through the players in his side, who he's got, who he doesn't have. We'll be doing that very shortly. Uh, then we're going to continue on with our team previews with the Hurricanes and the Scorchers. Uh, then we've had a few questions written in as well, so we'll jump into them later in the podcast. We will start off with Tomo's team reveal. We won't go through all the players because there's a few, few quite obvious ones there. Um, but we'll go through the ones that I found were interesting um, picks and probably the more the pod point of difference picks in his side. Um, <clears throat> mate, the more and more I look at it and look at my team and do these team previews, uh, I'm, I'm thinking the wicketkeeper is going to be the position that there's going to be a lot of differential in early in the year. You've gone with uh, Josh Felipe at the Sixers. Mate, talk us through that, and uh, you weren't tempted to go with any of the double game week keepers that say the Stars, Strikers, or Canes early in the season? Nah, at this stage I'm thinking it. I've got Philip in there now. I'm thinking either him or Inglis, and I know they're priced a little bit more than others, but I think, and I've got uh, Joshy in my side, um, last year making those 487 runs, averaging or around 37. Um, he keeps in that sixes side. Um, that is a pretty decent bowling lineup. So I think there's some chances, some extra catches and stumpings. Um, I think he's young and on that upward spiral. I know there are a few other options in terms of um, hurricanes, especially for the um, double game weeks early. But I just think um, Philippi could provide a bit of quality. So I'm going that way at the moment. Um, it could change, but I'm thinking that way at the moment. Yeah, nice, mate. And, and that's it. The um, your, your Inglises and your Philippes and that, they've got that massive upside that we know about. So they're, they're obviously tempted to go, mate, I have a question for you uh, regarding wicket keepers in particular. I mean, there's a lot of questions asked about, you know, people wanting to maybe double up on the keepers and have a keeper in, obviously, the keeper position, and they might want to throw a keeper in in the batting position as well. You know, the the worry with the with straight batsmen is that, you know, they get a duck, they're gone for the game, they might get a few catches or whatever. So the temptation is there to go with maybe a few extra keepers to get the bonus points for the odd stumping, they get more catches. 
Mate, how many more points roughly do you think keepers tend to get than your average fielder in a side? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, you know, I'm looking at some of the keepers and some of their um, statistics and they seem to, you know, it's different for every sort of person, but they sort of maybe get an extra catcher, an extra sort of stumping, stumping involvement each game. So you're looking about the same sort of score than extra catcher or stumping. So it's not um, a huge amount. Um, I've seen other players as well. They sort of pick um, a keeper because of the wicketkeeper batsman um, potential in sort of their batters in their side. I would still be looking at getting the, um, the batsman bowlers rather than picking a wicketkeeper batsman. But, you know, you get those few extra points. It's not a lot, but, yeah, it's enough to uh, make a difference um, each round. Yeah, that's it. So the champ has spoken. Take note of it for sure, but uh, it's a few points. It's not a stack of extra points that you might hope might be that extra security blanket for a batsman. So don't, don't read too, too much into it. Mate, next on the list was Marcus Stoinis, who obviously got injured in that first ODI against India. Mate, he's 180K, so pretty highly priced. We know he did that uh, effectively without bowling last campaign. Um, are you still happy to pay the big money for him if he doesn't bowl and plays game one? I think you still have to um, pay up for him even if he's not going to bowl. I mean, last year he didn't bowl a heap at all and he still scored the most runs in the comp. So I think even if he doesn't bowl, you know, if he bowls, he's an absolute must-have. Um, if he just bats and scores runs, I still think you've got to have him on the side with the um, Stars playing two games in the first week. If they didn't have the double and he wasn't bowling, would you be picking him round one? Ooh. Um, ooh. That's an interesting hypothetical. Yeah. Uh, oh, you've stumped me. But if I had to say an answer, I think I still would. I think I still would because he, on his night, as we saw, um, when he made the 244 super coach points last year, he can still go big. And, you know, he doesn't – he rarely gets a very, very low score. So I think if they are still on a single game, I think I would. Yeah, fair shout. He – I'd be tempted to, to leave him out as an antipod play. Um, and for anyone who, who's um, um, a bit uh, confused at a few of the terms I throw out there from the NRL, there might be a few AFL fans turned, obviously cricket fans who have come in for the Supercoach side of things. Uh, antipod uh, in the NRL type of things, we talk about pods, which is the point of difference players, you know, the low ownership guys to set you apart from the pack. Antipod is basically, you know, 50% of coaches pick Marcus Stoinis. The antipod is to go against that and, and avoid picking him. But, and Stoinis is a guy, again, it's a hypothetical, so it's irrelevant, but I, w- I probably would, wouldn't be picking him, him if he didn't have the double. So if he's not bowling, he's a guy that I'll, I'll look to sell um, for that. I know the Stars have to buy in, what, round three, um, but I'll be looking to move him on if he's not bowling because he's at his max price because of the amount of runs he scored last season. If he is bowling, he's seriously underpriced, like massively, massively. Mate, next on the list uh, is a really interesting one, this tournament, uh, and he's interesting because – we don't know exactly the role he'll play, but it's Dan Christian. Um, mate, he's just over 100K, so he's pretty cheap. I suppose, where do you think he's going to bat in that Sixers lineup? his new, his new franchise now. Um, do you see him getting playing that pinch hitter role? Will he be coming in at six otherwise? And I suppose will he be bowling his four overs? Yeah, he's one I've certainly got as a watch. I don't think he's going to bat ridiculously high, but I think he's going to line up maybe about five and six. Um, I don't think he'll always bowl all his overs, especially um, I know the Sixers have signed um, Holder recently. 
um, who's going to start a bit later on the tournament. Um, but I'm just looking at his form in the English tournament and in the final, taking four for 23 and making 21 not out. You know, he's still got it and he might not need a lot of time and he might be able to come in and just go bang, crash straight away. And I just think at his price, I think he's going to play a more important role in the Sixers this year than he did at the Renegades last year. So I think he's got to be in my side for now. Yeah, I like it, mate. <clears throat> and as you said, yeah, he's an oldie. He's a, definitely a veteran old Dan Christian, but he, um, his form opening has been massive. He's been getting heaps of opportunities with the bat, and he's a guy that, as a pinch hitter, we've spoken out how the new rules might, who they might help out, and we're sort of in uh, a bit of agreement that pinch hitters could be one of the big beneficiaries. If you can come in and get a late 20 or get promoted up the order for a, for a 20-odd and get that strike rate bonus, just massive for him. Um, mate, a guy you've been pretty keen on since your first article of the season, which was your rookie, uh, your cheapies article, um, Jack Wildermuth. Yeah, coming back to the heat this year from the Renegades, he didn't play many at all and averaged next to nothing under 20. Um, when you go back a bit further along, you know he's got scores of in the 80s and 70s. Um, I just think the heat are a side that's a little bit unknown at the moment. No cutting and Pattinson, I'm thinking he's going to bowl four overs consistently. Um, anything he does with the bat is a bonus, but I just think he's got really good at the moment job security at his sort of price. Um, I think you need to have him in. Yeah, cool. Um, there's AJ Ty in there as well, who we spoke with about last week and we'll get to later on in our Scorchers preview. The last one for in your side, he's obviously uh, – Board based on the fact that he'd be playing. Mate, the 15-year-old Afghani leg spinner, Noor Ahmed. Mate, how exciting is a prospect as a 15-year-old leggy coming in? Uh, what are your thoughts on him? And for probably the people that don't know a lot about him, but what can you tell us about Ahmed? Well, yeah, he's certainly young um, and he's going to – I think he has to play before um, he's replaced by Imran Tahir, um, who'll come a bit after Christmas. Um, he's just so young and at his price, I think – it's very unlikely they bring him all this way out to um, play and sit through quarantine. So I think he's going to play, and at his price, um, if he plays three or four games, picks up some wickets with his spin, you know, I think he's good to have on your bench and make some cash. Yeah, that's it, mate. And reading your team reveal during the week, <clears throat> that was what stood out to me. It's such a good point, mate. Seriously, to bring a 15-year-old out um, – to, to sit through that quarantine, or it doesn't even matter if he's 15 at any age and not play would just be so heavy, um, albeit getting a stack of experience. So you'd have to think he's a good chance to play there and at, at you know, bargain basement price, um, he's a massive, massive play for round one. Mate, a couple of notable omissions that I threw in, these were guys that were really popular players in the game in teams so far. I think they were all all over 20% ownership. <clears throat> we spoke about Chris Lynn already, who you're going against, uh, despite going ballistic in the Brisbane scene on the weekend. Mate, you've touched on him a little bit, but Billy Stanlake, popular buy for the round one double for the Stars, you're not keen. Yeah, I'm still not keen, though. The more I think about it, the more I see other people t- talk him up. I think, am I going down the wrong path? But, yeah, I just too much of that rocks and diamonds for me um, and recruited, I presume, to, you know, his bowling style suits the MCG. They're not going to be playing there early on. Um, I'm just going to look at some others, I think, for now. Mate, surely as the defending champ, you know in Supercoach that you have to back your gut because there's nothing worse than backing your gut, 
backflipping getting Billy Stanlake in the day before round one and he, he gets none for 50, doesn't bat, um, and gets you zero points. Very true. I'd rather back my own judgment and look like a fool than listen to others and look like a fool. I'd much rather uh, take my own advice and look like a fool. That's it, mate. And we had we get that many questions come in for Supercoach. Had them all through the NRL season, um, and, and people be talking about these blokes out of nowhere that you, you sort of weren't considering. And you know, the, the first thing you say every time is if you're backing them, and you think you've got to back yourself, back your gut in, because there's nothing worse than backflipping on on your own decision and it doesn't pay off, mate. The last one that we'll talk about for your team reveal, uh, you went against Daniel Sams, uh, not keen. Uh, no, I actually was pretty keen and sort of some initial teams before I had him in. Um, the fact that the Thunder don't play um, a double till much later on counted against him. No, I'm still pretty keen to have him in if I, you know, if I had a bit more money in my salary cap, but we all say that. No, I had him sitting in the teams a lot there. I know he took a lot of wickets last year um, and they've got no Chris Morris this year. I think, you know, he's still going to take a lot of wickets. And he just was so poor with the bat last season. I think he's going to do a bit better with the bat. So if he doesn't take as many wickets, I think he can sort of make it up by scoring some runs. So I am keen on him. I just couldn't fit him in, unfortunately. But if I keep rejigging my team, he could be one that pops up in there. Yeah, like it, mate. Good stuff. Good work on the team reveal. That's our second team reveal. The Supercoach Spy revealed his uh, last week. We've actually got a team reveal from the bloke who came second to you, Tomo, last year. That's Matty Broom coming tomorrow, that'll be. So that'll be another good read, I'm sure. <clears throat> Guys, if you are interested in our subscription package, we do have $20 for our Big Bash content. Uh, also to be added in the next day or two, it's $40 for the Big Bash package and then going into the NRL stuff, which will cover obviously the the entire NRL season next year uh, and the pre-season content, which we do as well. Um, if you are keen on both of them and didn't want to get them individually, that'll save you a bit of money, I think 10 bucks as well. Um, it does give you access to stacks of extra content, our subscriber special Q&A podcast, which we'll be doing every round answering your questions. Um, you'll be supporting the site. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into putting it all together uh, from all the contributors and myself, so it will be appreciated but absolutely not necessary if you don't want to. Um, and if you're more into the podcast and not so much the uh, the articles and that sort of content, uh, there's a donation tab in the podcast article if you're more interested in that side of things. Um, but otherwise, we just hope you're enjoying the content. Tomo, let's hook into the Hobart Hurricanes and their preview. They have the round two double game, which makes them super relevant. Uh, they've got no buys, plenty of key recruits at the Hurricanes, massive actually, Peter Hanscom, Sandeep Lamashane, Lamashane, I'm a shocker, Colin Ingram, Will Jacks, a guy who really excites me, Darwin Milan, Kimo Paul, uh, they're all coming and going at different stages of the tournament, so check out our international analysis that Tomo did uh, on the website to get your head around that. Um, Tomo, who are you eyeing off in that side um, I mean, you've, you've got Darcy Short in there, who's the obvious one. I think we spoke about him last week being an absolute must-have. Um, we've been through your side. Is there anyone there who, who's just missed out on your side or um, maybe you're looking out for later in the tournament? I think in your side you did have Nathan Ellis. Yeah, so the three um, Hurricanes I've got at the moment are Darcy Short, Will Jackson, and Nathan Ellis. Um, Ellis, um, if only he was as cheap as last year when he started at Bargain Basement. Um, his form in the Sheffield Shield this year has been pretty good. He's got 12 rickets in three matches. Um, hopefully he can bring a bit of that form into the shorter format of the game. He'll bowl all four overs, and he looks like bowling a lot of death overs for Hobart this season. 
I think from memory, he loved a wide Yorker last season. I wish he targeted the stumps a bit more, but I think he's going to be bowling those key death overs, and I think at his price, he's someone that I've got my initial team for now. Yeah, nice, mate. Um, A guy that's caught my interest big time is Will Jacks. Uh, he's, he's a dual bat bowl. He'll be 148K, which is relatively affordable. Uh, first time down in the big bat. He's recently named player of the tournament in the Vitality Blast for Surrey. That's their T20 domestic competition over in England. In that, 309 runs at 34.3. Had the strike rate of 149.3 in that tournament, which is ridiculous. Just to get a bit more excited, he took 13 wickets at an economy of 6.46. Tomo, I know um, he's got to come over here and translate that international form to our competition Mate, that is some serious reading. It sure is. Like, he's someone that I usually wouldn't like to start on my team. You'd like to have a bit of a look at him. But the fact that he could be a key contributor straight away and he could be heavily involved in the round two double, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think I need to have him in my team. Um, he'll bat high in the order. He can contribute some of those spin overs. I think the Hurricanes have lost a little bit of spin in their team compared to last year. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a good shout. He's someone that, um, you know, I've got my team for now, and I think you're right there. Yeah. Um, bit, of, bit of Twitter debate, which is always good during the week, um, on the makeup of the Hurricanes order. And the more I do these team previews with, like, blokes coming in and out for Australia A duties and Australia duties, England duties, all over the shop, um, it is hard to predict them. Mate, Peter Hanscom is a guy who keeps catching my eye at just 97K, I'm trying to work out if he's if he's a good super coach prospect at the price or if he's a bit of a super coach myth because the last three seasons he's averaged 34, 41.6 and 22.5 so you know not terrific reading and on that you know he's priced it probably pretty well where he should be the thing is when he was at the stars he probably didn't keep that he didn't keep that often he was batting well down the order so he's a guy that I can see. I've currently got him batting at either three or four for the Hurricanes. Um, mate, do you think he's a myth or do you think there's a big chance he can um, lift on that value from round one? Yeah, he's, he's certainly an intriguing prospect. Um, look, he it all depends where he bats for me. If he bats high in the order, he could be um, someone that I could look to move into my side, especially, you know, you can save quite a bit of money in that wicket-peeping position. You know, top score of 101 last year, which is good. Um, I don't think he's going to be called in for any sort of national duties during the tournament, so you're not going to burn or waste a trade there. Um, but, yeah, he's one I'm try, struggling to wrap my head around too about where he fits in, especially in the batting order. Um, yeah, I just big question mark for me. Yeah, I mean, um, emphasising the lack of opportunity he did get at the Stars last year, he averaged 31 with the bat with a top score of 65 not out. Um, 188 runs, so it's not as if he was batting poorly. He was just he was batting behind your Stoinises and Maxis and all these blokes who were just getting masses of runs, um, and he was sort of batting at times five, six in the order, and he just didn't get an opportunity. So um, I, I'm really, really tempted to start with him for that round two double game. Um, mate, also, Will Parker is an interesting one. I don't know if you've looked into him much, but he's 42K, uh, and with Lamashane not available until I think it's after Christmas or around about that time or after the new year, Parker looks like the only spinner in that squad. He's an 18-year-old leggy, big wraps on him down in Melbourne. Um, is it a case of if he's 
I will touch on it as well, I forgot to say, the Hurricanes are the first game of round one. So you can do those late changes based around that team with Andy. Um, mate, Will Park at 42 games, if he plays round one, you just have to have him, don't you? Uh, I think so. It'll depend on for the Hurricanes. You know, they've got Darcy Short, they've got Will Jacks and um, Colin Ingram. So they're all batsmen that can bowl a bit. Will they pick a frontline spinner or will they rely more on batsmen that can roll their arm over? But definitely team list watch. You're absolutely right there. Yeah, really interesting, Will Parker. Um, <clears throat> and, and interesting as well, as you said, if Parker comes on and bowls two overs and he's overawed by the occasion of the step up to the big bash, you know, it could mean real good overs for for Darcy Short, which, I mean, it just makes him a ridiculous super coach prospect. So massive, massive on him. Um, coming later in the tournament for the Hurricanes, you've got Darwin Milan, who's just gone off on um, a day or two ago for England against South Africa. I think it was it, it, 99 there or something. Um, he won't be available till after Christmas, but obviously a massive one to keep an eye out for. Uh, Kimo Paul's another one, but he's probably not going to play a lot of cricket in this tournament. Um, but, yeah, again, with the double game week, plenty of opportunities. Mate, the last one I'll get you on is just Riley Meredith. We know the spy was really, really keen on him last week. He was going to go him as his uh, round one bit of a pod, not a massive pod. Um, Did Riley Meredith tickle your fancy? Um, I'll put him and um, Scotty Boland in the same category. They can pick up wickets, but just looking at their initial prices and you compare them to a lot of other players and what they're priced, they seem pretty large prices to me. Um, Yeah. Those, they can both take wickets and then in big clumps. But, yeah, I just think they seem just, if you go on gut instinct and looking at them first of all and the price and the player they are, they just look biggish prices to me, even if they have an upcoming double. Yeah, I'm the exact same. I They'll be tempting for the double, but I think I'm with you. Ellis at 113K, he's a guy I see basically improvement in uh, and a guy that's, not necessarily undervalued, but undervalued for a double-week player in, in week two. I look at Boland. Boland took, uh, what was he, 15 wickets in 10 games last year. He's 170K. He's at his max price. And then Meredith's the same. Meredith's 184K. He took, played six games and took 10 wickets um, at an economy of 6.68, which is phenomenal for anyone. So the upside's there with Meredith, but again, I think you're paying top-notch dollar for him. Um, you're paying the same as a, a Glenn Maxwell or a Marcus Stoinis for Meredith there. And I just, I, I'm with you. I think if I'm going to go, there'll be a bowler in my team somewhere, if not two, for the double game week. But I think Nathan Ellis is probably the man. I think you're right. And then Big Riley, uh, Big Riley as well. There seems to score well against Scorchers and Renegades. And they don't have the either of those sides for their double as well. So that's something to consider. Moving on to our preview of the Perth Scorchers, one of the most consistent teams in the history of Supercoach. Sorry, Supercoach, of Big Bash, should I say. Not everything's about Supercoach as much as I wish it was. Uh, three titles, three minor premierships. Not sure if they call them minor premierships in cricket or in the BBL, should I say. But uh, they, are, they have three of those. Funnily enough, three of their... Uh, times they finished first uh, at the end of the regular season. Two of the three, they didn't end up winning the title. So it shows how good they've been at over the years. The last two years, they haven't made finals. Um, mate, I'm looking at this roster, and they have a very, very good squad, uh, but a lot of injury risks. 
They have the round 10 double and no buys, so pretty appealing there, not having to get them out at any stage. Mate, who are the scorchers that you're eyeing off? And I suppose, is there anyone there who sort of just missed the mark for you? Yeah, well, I've got um, big Andrew Ty in my – he's the only scorcher, I think, in my initial team. I think a lot of people would have had Cameron Green, but he looks like he's destined for bigger things. Um, Ty didn't play a game at all last year due to injury, but he's a proven super coach performer. Um, I'm hoping even under the new rules this year he can pick up wickets later on the innings like he's previously done. And, you know, he's had a handy average of over 50 when he's played in other additions, so he's someone I've got in my team. Um, a couple of others I'm sort of having a look at is definitely the wicketkeeper, Josh English. I mean, he had a, what a breakout year last year, opening the batting, a high strike rate of 150-plus, made just over 400 runs to get the team off to some nice quick starts. You know, some extra handy wicket keep points too with nine catches and four stumpings, um, three scores over 100, average of around 56. Um, it's between him and Philippi, I think, for my starting keeper. Um, they're two that really take my eye early on. What about yourself? Yeah, mate. Um, Ty's another guy I've been eyeing off for a while now as well. He just serious numbers behind him. You mentioned before, but yeah, his two competitions prior to last that he missed, averages of 52 and 50, which are pretty enticing. As you said, he's a death bowler and one of the best in the game. So there's big wickets to come there with a bit of luck. Um, the issue with him over the years has been his injury, but he's strung a fair few amount of games together in a row now, uh, and he's been pretty successful. Um, you know, the COVID period could surely have only done a lot of these, the COVID break done a lot of these fast bowlers with their injuries and their bodies, a lot of good to get them back back out there, you know, now that we are back up and running properly. Um, so I really like Ty. The other guy I like, because I've liked him for a long time, but he's Jason Berendorf, but He's only 120K, but again, he's just there's no cricket in him. I don't think he's played first-class cricket in 12 months. Um, he will be right for round one of the Big Bash by the sounds of it. He's been playing a bit of uh, great cricket over in WA. Mate, I'm really tempted to go Berendorf as a pod, but I'm a little bit scared that it's uh, a little bit too much of a gamble with his injury history. Yeah, well, I suppose he didn't play at all, a bit like Ty last year. If you go back one more, he's got nine wickets in 11 games. Um, to average just under 50. He's one that I'm concerned in that condensed schedule that um, due he might get injured or they might give him a, a scheduled rest because the Perth Scorchers do have pace bowling depth. You know, they've got Ty, um, Berendorf himself, Richardson, Kelly, even Cameron Gannon's not the worst. So they do have a lot of depth and I could see a bit of a rotation thing happening there possibly. It's a really good point you made, mate. Mate, I was uh, doing the preview for the Scorchers uh, today and I was trying to put the the starting side together and I was looking at poor old Matty Kelly who was pretty damn good last season and I couldn't fit him in there because, as you said, you've got Berendorf, you've got Ty, you've got Richardson. Um, there wasn't room for another quick bowler. Um, but, yeah, so Berendorf's one I really like. Mate, he's one of the best bowlers in world cricket in the short form when he's fit. Um, but unfortunately, him being fit is few and far between at the moment. Uh, mate, there's a lot of super coach relevance in this side. Colin Munro, 33-year-old Kiwi. Mate, he's pretty high risk, high reward in my opinion. Um, he's 160K, so he doesn't miss. Um, he's just been playing over in the Caribbean Premier League. Over there, he averaged 34 and a half with the bat at a strike rate of 133. Any interest there or is he a bit overpriced? 
Um, some interest, but I think um, maybe later on in the tournament, if when you know he drops in a bit of price and things like that. But you know, if he's going to bat high up and you know occasionally possibly bowl some overs, then you never know. But I might wait for a bit of a price drop for someone like him, especially with no doubles till later on. Mate, if you want, if you're after a major, major pot, if you're one of them real big super coach risk takers, Joe Clark coming over, he's going to play the start of the tournament before Livingston and Roy get over here. Um, I expect him to open the bat. He's currently in in 0.4% of teams. He over in that, uh, the Vitality Blast, get this, 370 runs at 37. Solid, very good numbers. Strike rate of 175. I don't yeah, know if that's a bad. misprint or something on Crick Info, but fair dinkum, 175 over 370 runs. That Mate, that's got to catch your attention. It it does. Um, just that short stay because – and the fellas that are going to replace him are even better, which is um, quite remarkable. Just that short stay um, puts me off because, you know, by the time he's warmed up, someone else has taken his spot. Yeah, exactly right. It's it's tempting, but yeah, again, you are maybe you are blowing a trade in the fact that you'll only get a few games in. Um, but very excited to see what he can do. Uh, Mitch Marsh is a guy who will probably take a few people's interest, as he should. Average fifty-seven last Supercoach campaign, one sixty-four k. So you know they haven't the the handicappers haven't missed him price-wise. Uh, he has had more injury t- troubles recently, so. I've read that he won't be bowling in the early stage of the tournament, which is a massive blow for his Supercoach credentials uh, because he did pick up a fair few wickets last campaign to go with his runs. Um, Mate, I think at 164K, you need Mitch Marsh bowling and batting to consider him or would you consider him? No, I think certainly with um, the fact that he's not going to bowl or certainly that uncertainty diminishes his appeal as a Supercoach selection. Um, 35 with the bat last year with uh, just a handful of wickets. He went on a great run last year too with some massive scores, 169, 175 and 149. Um, I think he's one to worth to monitor and he seems to be, some of his looking at his scores, he seems to do a lot better at home. So might be worth monitoring to see when he's got a few matches at home, I would think. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. I'm hoping he doesn't bowl the early stages, gets a couple of lowish scores with the bat, uh, and then we can pick him up at a discounted price a bit later in the tournament when he starts bowling again. He could be an absolute bargain. Speaking of bargains, mate, Ashton Turner, he hit the, he hit the headlines, uh, what was it, 12 months ago or so, or maybe a bit longer now, over in India. Um, had that unbelievable innings to win a game for us over there in a big run chase. Um, another scorcher with injury troubles, so he hasn't played a lot of cricket of late. Mate, he's $62,500 to start the year. Um, a, another one who I'm not real sure where he'll bat in the order. I've currently got him at five for round one, but between him, Whiteman and Bancroft, you know, they could be anywhere. Mate, Ashton Turner at the price, does he take your interest? I think he has to. I mean, last year missed some games for a variety of reasons and averaged only just over 20. But that's very, very cheap for someone that I think has pretty good job security and, as he said, has been played or has played short-form cricket for Australia. Going back other years, his average is almost up to 50. Um, even if he bats middle order, he's a bench option or a cash cow for sure. Um, you know, he doesn't bowl a great deal, but, yeah, look, for an Australian talent player, um, that is a very cheap price. Well, that's it, and and you nailed it there. 
you know, you don't have to start him and take his points. You can put him on your bench as one of your, your bargain buyers at 62K. He can hopefully score a few points for you, get those price rises. Then if he's looking good and or batting up the order, um, you play him in your starting to- side and bank the points. Um, the other thing, and I'll get your thoughts on it, but putting this side together, I've obviously got uh, Berendorf, Ty, and Richardson as the three quicks, Farwed Ahmed as the spinner, uh, and then – with Mitch Marsh not bowling, Ashton Agar to miss the first probably two or three games with Australia A duty, I think there's probably a few overs they're going to need to make up. Um, look, maybe they pick Maddie Kelly there and have five bowlers, but uh, I don't know if they'd be willing to do that. Um, but Turner is a chance at bowling. I know he bowled only a couple of overs in a recent uh, game, Sheffield Shield game. So I can see Turner and possibly to a far left, uh, yeah, probably turn up, maybe jagging a few overs. What do you reckon? Yeah, he's a possibility, and I suppose at his sort of price, any bowling he does is a bonus. You're not relying on him to bowl necessarily, so anything he does is a bonus. Yeah, well, it's him and Colin Munro's done a bit of bowling as well. Um, not a stack and certainly not a noted bowler, but maybe for the first couple of weeks without Marsh bowling uh, and Agar, they might be caught on for a few overs just to get through. Um, but again, they're probably not guys, if you are interested in buying them, don't buy on them banking to bowl two overs each or anything like that. Um, if they do do it, it's a bonus and, you know, happy days. Mate, Jai Richardson is another one, 166K, another one of this injury brigade. Um, some serious, serious super coach averages in the past years, 58.1 last year. In the two seasons prior to that, 68.8 and 55.5. Last season, 15 wickets, an economy of 7.07. Mate, Jai Richardson, what do you reckon? Oh, he can certainly produce some magnificent fast bowling spells on his day. You know, he can rack up big scores. So, you know, definitely on a double, you'd be thinking about bringing him in. And, you know, you have to consider him not just on a double, but at different stages as well throughout the season. Yeah, I really want to start with one of these Richardson ties or Berendorfs. Uh, I'm leaning towards Ty at the moment. Um, he's he's durable, the most durable of the three over the past six months, which isn't saying much for that lot. <laughs> um, but but Richardson, I mean, again, Richardson hasn't played first class since Australia South Africa in March, I don't believe. So he has come out during the week and said his body's good, he's he's right to go, so he should be there for round one. Um, so again, with his record, you are paying big money for him, but you know the upside is there. Uh, and lucky last at the Scorchers, as I said, there's so many relevant players to get through. Uh, mate, Farwed Ahmed is, um, you know, probably not an exciting super coach buy, but he did have scores of 125 and 123 last year. So there is upside there. Over his T20, T20 career, he's got an economy of 6.83, which is phenomenal. Uh, mate, any interest or not? Um, a little bit. He's a, he is a surprising uh, short-form player. Um if you timed him well as a selection or a bit of a point of difference inclusion, because he went on a block last year when he went 76, 77, and 123. So he might have a little bit of a run or a bit of a block in him. So if you could time that right, could be a good selection. But um, he's not one I could start with. But, you know, if you timed him right and he had a bit of a spell when conditions suited, then he's not the worst. That's it, mate. Another potted under 6% ownership. So heaps and heaps of options at the Scorchers. Um, it'd be bedlam if they had an early double because you'd be trying to fit all them in and it'd just be, you know, not everyone can score well, but I suppose they can. Mate, let's jump into a few questions and we'll start with Jamie Finch who asks, 
any must-have cheapies or any cheapies worth having? You did a bargain buyer's basement uh, earlier in the preseason a few weeks back. Um, who are the ones that you're, you're eyeing off? We've spoken about a few already. Yeah, um, I suppose everyone early days would have said uh, Pekoski and Green, but they're no longer going to be involved. Um, certainly Jack Wildermuth, I think, has really good job security. Um, I know Will Sutherland is involved with Australia A, but once he comes back, I reckon his job security is pretty um, good as well. We spoke about Ashton Turner in the podcast today. He's someone that could be another cheapy option. And he hasn't been pumped up by as many other people, but I still think Tom Cooper possibly could play a role for the Heat and provide a cheap option as well. Yeah, all good shouts. Uh, Matty Short's another one at the Strikers who we've both spoken about last week. Um, he's a guy... He just he could do anything. He could bat high. He could bat low. He might bowl four overs. He might bowl no overs. He's a real mystery. But at the price, he's a guy I'm, I'm nearly willing to take a gamble on. Uh, being that the strikers have that double double round in rounds two and three. Um, Supercoach addicts, the legends over there, has asked, "What strategy are you liking for round one teams?" He said he asked a bit of variety or stacking it with that double game week players uh, for the first two two game weeks. What are you doing, Tomo? Uh, I don't think you want to fully stack, but you've certainly got to pay attention to the schedule and, you know, you want a pretty good mix of stars, hurricanes, and then possibly a couple of strikers in there too if you can fit it into your team lineup. I think you've got to pay attention to the schedule and not overly stack, but you've got to have a lot of a heavy representation there for sure. Yeah, that's it, mate. Not going over the top, but keeping a good eye on it. And I mean, it, it sounds like I'm stating the bleedingly obvious, but you know, no, not everyone listening to this podcast are super coach experts or or um, you know, super coach veterans. I suppose there'd be a lot of first year players, but just all rounders in super coach are just absolute gold, particularly um, all rounders like in your batting department because. You've got guys we spoke about, you know, maybe your, your Philippe's or your, your Maxi Bryant's or Pete Hanscom's who they get a dark, that's effectively them done, and you've got a single-digit score on your bench. If you can get guys into your side who will be rolling the arm over as well as batting, even if it's only for a few overs like maybe a Will Jacks um, or, or a Will Sutherland you just mentioned there, Tomo, it is just absolutely gold. So, you know, you you don't have to have all all-rounders in your, your batting ranks, but if you can at least get a few in there, I just think it minimises a heap of risk um, in case all your boys do tend to fail. Um, deep Longstop, we've touched on this a little bit, but Deep Longstop asks, he says he's passing on Philippe and Inglis to start the season. They're the two that you were talking about, Tomo, that you're tossing up. He says, wicketkeeper doesn't really add any points and I'm not paying 150 grand. 150k for a bat only feels like a bit of an antipod move to put a double game week Lenton like Hanscom in there. Um, Tomo, you've sort of you've chatted about it, and you're looking at either of the two that he's against. I'm with deep long stop, and and I don't mind the idea of throwing someone like Hanscom in there um, or one of these other uh, probably one of the more bargain buyers at wicketkeeper. I'm interested to see who's going to take the gloves uh, at the stars because. We saw more big supercoach news actually during the week was that Nicholas Poor and the West Indian gun and, and the keeper, he said that he's committing to West Indies' uh, uh, long long form squad. Um, they've just played the one days and T20s and odd, that lot over in New Zealand. 
Um, he's committed to staying around with the full squad. So don't expect too much of him early in the tournament and potentially late. He may have even got a call up to um, to be a part of the, the squad there for the Test Series. So um, big opportunities at the stars in the wicket-keeping rank. So I'll be watching that very closely. Um, one from Matty Broom, the fellow who came second in Supercoach last year, team reveal coming tomorrow. Tomo, he asked, thoughts on Basley? That's James Basley. Uh, does he get selected? He's at the Brisbane Heat, 42K player. We know there's a lot of uncertainty in the, the Brisbane Heat lineup due to you know international commitments, Australia commitments, all that sort of stuff. Uh, is Basley a chance at a run? Yeah. Oh, I love it when the guy that finished second asks the questions because he knows just as much as I do, I reckon. Um, look, I don't. I don't think he's best 11 at this stage, but as you said, the Heat are a bit of unknown, so you're going to be watching those team lists closest to the time. Um, he's available, I'm pretty sure, at bargain basement price, but I don't think you'd be involved in best 11 setup. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. I, I can't see him squeezing in there. I think... Um, we might have torn off air a little bit about he might have been getting a few runs in the, the Brisbane grade cricket, but uh, again, I don't really see how he squeezes in there. The Heat play in the second game of the weekend, so there's a little bit of flexibility there in terms of if he does get named, we can possibly squeeze him in during the rolling lockout. Um, but yeah, again, one to keep an eye on in case he does sneak in, but we'll, we'll look for news leading into round one. Another one for Matthew Murphy, who wants your thoughts on Salt, Bryant, and McDermott. So I've got Phil Salt there, Maxie Bryant, Ben McDermott. Mate, we've both spoken in other podcasts about Maxie Bryant, and we're both fairly interested in him. Um, what about Salt and McDermott? Yeah, so Salt, the opening batsman from the Strikers. So you'd be definitely having him as sort of a bench option and possibly looping him round one. He is safer than a lot of the other strikers because he's best 11. And, you know, on his day, he can score a lot of runs. He's also pretty entertaining on the mic too, which doesn't get you super coach points. But when you're watching it, sure. you know, that's good. Um, yeah, well, absolutely should. But if you're watching it at home, then, you know, it's <laughs> worth something. Um, McDermott, yeah, I suppose McDermott's got the double. He had that monster knock, but that's going back a number of years ago when he made 114 runs. Um, but then he's only averaged 31 and 41 in the last two tournaments. Hobart, they do have a bit of people coming and going, but their batting on paper looks pretty good. I'm concerned about where he'll bat and the amount of overs he'll get or amount of opportunity he'll get. So he can produce a monster knock, but I think they're just too far and few in between. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. I think uh, the, the Hurricanes are a bit too stacked, so I think McDermott bats down the order. The only argument would be is that they've got a few blokes like um, who will be coming in later in the tournament, so maybe he gets a few few decent runs early or like up, up-ish the order, um, and particularly that double game week in round two. But again, I'm not really sure. Mate, Salt's a massive one. 365 runs last year at 27. Um, the Strikers have the double in game week two and three. Um, you know what? He's only about 140K. Um, wait, what is he? 134K. So, you know, affordable. The fact that you'll be having four knocks in two game weeks, you've got to seriously be looking at a bloke who's opening the bat and coming in in form. Um, the last question from BBL Supercoach Guns. He asks, surely Dilber Hussain is a buy if he's worth 62500 which is likely because of price formulas. Mate, you've nailed the price formula because he is 62500 He's the Pakistani quick. Um, mate, 
Tomo, any interest in him? Uh, there's a bit of a question mark over whether he's available for the first week or two because I think he's, you were mentioning he's over in quarantine in Perth maybe, was it? Yeah, possibly. I, I couldn't quite find um, a great deal of information, but, you know, he's coming over here at that sort of price. Anyone from the Stars that's going to play in the early double captures a bit of attention. Yeah, that's it. You've got you've got to there, and they look a little bit light on in, in the quick ranks. Uh, the stars early on in the tournament, um, particularly if Stoinis isn't bowling there as well. Maybe they are tempted to go with another quick. So yeah, he's been playing over in the Pakistani Super League, having a lot of success over there. Um, so I mean, at the price, I mean, yeah, we mentioned the cheapies before, but you've got to throw him right into the cheapie ranks. Um, the stars play in the second game of round one. So, again, a bit of flexibility with the rolling lockout to get him in if named. But I think we'll know if he's going to be in that round one team based on if he gets out of quarantine or not. So we should know that early on. Uh, that is all for tonight's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed listening. Um, guys, I say it each and every week, but please hit us up on our socials if you have any questions. If you've got any feedback for us on types of articles we can be doing, things we can be doing to better the articles, the podcast, any of that, um, don't be afraid to let us know and, and lay into us because we love that sort of stuff. Um, Tomo, mate, very good tonight with uh, with no assistance. Thank you. Always a pleasure, mate. Happy anytime. <laughs> Cheers, mate. All right, thanks for listening, guys.